Representative Clint Allen loves his rural community, and he brings his entrepreneurial spirit and passion to Harrisburg. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. And my guest today is uh, Representative Clint Allett. He represents the 68th District, which is all of Tioga County and part of Bradford County. Uh, for context, this is right near the New York border uh, in the center uh, east part of Pennsylvania. Uh, Clint, welcome to Brews and Views. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, and uh, while we can't be in person, uh, this is the next best thing for technology. Um, and uh, as we're, we're talking counties apart, um, tell us a bit about Tioga County. What should we know about uh, your home and, and the district that you represent? And then I want to hear how you got in the, into this whole business of, of politics. So tell us a bit about uh, Tioga and uh, how you grew up, Clint. Yeah, uh, you know, Tioga County is, is really a beautiful county. Uh, one of the things that, that we always talk about, usually early on we describe our county as the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. A lot of people have been uh, been up to the Wellsboro area and viewed the uh, the beautiful Grand Canyon uh, that we have here. It's a, it's a destination. If, if you have never been to the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, folks, please, it's well worth the trip. Um, you will enjoy the quaint little town of Wellsboro and really all the gems that our county has to offer here. Uh, agriculture, a big part of our county, um, as well as we have some, some manufacturing hotspots here and there. But... Um, we are also the home of Mansfield University, one of the Pashi schools in the state system in Mansfield. So um, we have a, we have a great uh, educational option for students right here locally. Um, we have some amazing school districts where our, our teachers really are, are super engaged with their kids and um, just love teaching uh, and and educating our students. So really, uh, man, Matt, it's it is everybody probably says that they have the best county and districts. But um, I mean, we have the Grand Canyon, right? So I mean, who else can say that? No, nobody else in Pennsylvania. That is that is for sure. So so Clint, uh, this is home. This is where you were born and raised. I think your family is there. Um, how did, uh, uh, tell us a bit about your background and then uh, we'll get into what got you into politics. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up here in the district in Tioga County, um, and uh, we have a had a family farm growing up. And um, like a lot of farmers back in the the eighties and nineties, uh, things were things were challenging as they have been here uh, in the last several years. But we found ourselves trying to uh, balance uh, running our dairy operation as well as uh, figuring out ways to diversify and. Um, additional ways to um, bring income into the family. And so we started a farmer's market um, and we quickly turned that around and started um, really doing a lot of uh, small business and operations here in the, in the county. And we found that that was uh, kind of a, a little bit more profitable at times uh, than the dairy industry. So we sold our cows uh, when I was a senior and um, I ended up after that, I, uh, 
I worked at a camp with kids uh, for with teenagers for nine years and um, really loved that and then engaged in helping a, a, another small business here in the area, a uh, ski resort, um, helped them for a number of years. And then I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, Matt, and I, I really wanted to start my own business. So I started my own construction business and um, did specialized in, in decorative concrete uh, for a number of years. And uh, really enjoyed that till one day I uh, I had always been passionate about um, politics and um, our state specifically. And so um, my predecessor, uh, Matt Baker, um, had an opportunity to step up into the federal government. And he's the regional director of um, Health and Human Services now. Um, this is a Trump appointment uh, that he has. And that opened up a spot, and Matt and I had been getting to know each other, each other over the last couple of years, and um, I decided to go for it. And we went all in, and and here we are. I have the opportunity to um, serve the, the good people here in the 68th District and um, make sure that they have a solid voice in Harrisburg. Well, uh, it makes my heart sing, and I know my members as well, to know that there are entrepreneurs, small business people in our legislature, uh, folks that we, we say uh, have not only signed the back of a check, but know what it means to sign the front of a check uh, and all of the challenges uh, that go into that. Um, because uh, look, uh, the, we're, we, you know, uh, I'm sure there are lots of businesses that are, are suffering right now uh, with the shutdowns and uh, with the inability to operate at, at full capacity. Uh, maybe talk about that. How has uh, this uh, COVID crisis affected, you know, the rural parts of our state? Uh, because, you know, a lot of our news media uh, is just covering the urban areas. Uh, we don't hear a lot about uh, what's happened in the in the rural parts. How, how has Tioga and, and uh, Bradford, uh, your district, um, weathered uh, these challenging times with COVID? Well, you're right. I mean, we we uh, really at times have to feel like we stand have to stand on our chairs to get recognized in rural parts of the community, the Commonwealth here and in our communities. But as far as you know, how it's it's we've faced the challenges. You know, I would say I think Tioga County has like 30 confirmed cases since the beginning of March. Um, so we have done a real social distancing isn't a problem up here. <laughs> we, we naturally <laughs> social distance every day. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, Bradford County has a, has a few more. Now there's definitely some more, more folks over in Bradford County. There's higher population, but, um, but not that many more. And so we, I would say COVID has definitely, it's definitely impacted, you know, on the health side, people uh, are concerned about it. Um, but I would say, you know, the statewide mandates are what uh, frustrate the business community up here. When we get lumped into what's maybe going on in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, when you've, you know, for the longest time, we had, I think, maybe two active cases in the county, in Tiger County, um, maybe down around four or five or six in Bradford County for a number of weeks and months there. And it's hard when you, when you hear, you know, you know, you can't open up or you can't operate and, and literally you could count how many cases you have in your district on one hand. And it's, that's been frustrating for our small businesses. Uh, but at the same time, they, they're doing the best they can to, to operate in a safe way. I, I, they know that they have to do this to be able to get opened back up to full capacity just as soon as possible. And that's, what's so important. They, they, I will say, Matt, it's 
it's hard, harder in rural communities to make, to make it. We just don't have the population to have a huge growing booming business. So we all have to pull together and support each other. And that's one thing that I have noticed is, you know, we've, we've really been uh, helping each other and small businesses helping each other um, throughout the, the whole thing. But yeah, it's, it's hard, um, but they're, man, they, they're doing the right thing. They're doing what they can. And hopefully we can get them back operating at full capacity, all of them, um, just as soon as possible. Yeah, when we, um, you know, the governor uh, said that uh, we wouldn't be seeing sort of this statewide approach. And then days later, he decides to um, close everything down to, uh, you know, saying 25% capacity. But I know that a lot of uh, small businesses, particularly restaurants, uh, that becomes unprofitable to operate at that level. Um, I suppose, you know, that's uh, some of the challenges you're seeing. Are you seeing small businesses uh, say, look, we can't make it. We're going to have to shutter our doors. Or have you as a community, like you said, that been able to come together and help those that are being uh, most constrained by this to, to pull through? What, what, what are you seeing kind of in the small business community in terms of uh, the impact on their ability to, well, keep soldiering on? Yeah, I, I think most of them are are definitely being you know being creative in ways to continue to operate. Um, our restaurants are looking for ways to increase outside dining. Um, the the twenty five percent thing. Here's the reality of that: no restaurant can can operate in, in a profitable manner at twenty five percent. And the governor knows that. Um, the governor didn't want to have the political pressure of saying, you know, all restaurants have to close. So what you do, and, and it's been, he's done this throughout the whole pandemic. You just create a regulation or a mandate that is un, unsustainable. It really doesn't work. So then the only option is to shut down. Um, and that's what's happening to a lot of yeah. our restaurants. I, the, the next day after that order went down, I, I had a message sent to me via Facebook from a restaurant in Bradford County. And they said they're done. I mean, they're not. They're they're closing. They've been in business for ten years. They've you know put their blood, sweat, and tears, and had a ton of money tied up. But they they just can't. The inconsistency is what's a problem. They don't know. They want to plan. They want to do the best they can to serve. And they're they are. They're doing the best they can. But just to have somebody one at three thirty and on a Wednesday say that you know you got to go to twenty five percent capacity, which makes means you lose money. And then, and then you know, the next day, that's going to be an effect. It's, it's just hard for them. So I actually snapped a, a picture of that, um, and I sent it to the Department of Health and made sure that they realized that there are real people behind the decisions that they're making, and there are real consequences to the decisions, and there are real families that are going to have to shut their business doors forever. I, I have a number of restaurants, you know, in our, in my district here that never opened from from since March, they, they shut their doors in March and they haven't opened mm. because they, you know, with the, the six foot rules and these are small, smaller places and they, they just can't, they can't do it. And they don't want to be, you know, jerked around here and there. So they, they just haven't opened. And, and that's what's sad. I mean, but my, my favorite breakfast spot is grandma's kitchen. When I was a kid, when we started our farm market, we used to deliver them eggs and it's, it's an awesome little restaurant in Mansfield and they're, they're done. They, they said we from day, as soon as this started, they were, we were into it a month or so. And they just said, you know what, we're, we can't do it. We can't. And, and so there, there's a for sale sign up on that, that store right now. I mean, Matt, the day after I was elected, um, one of my friends took me out for coffee there and we sat in a booth 
And I'll never forget the one thing he said to me. He pointed his, put his finger in my chest mm. and he said, don't let this position change who you are. And he kept saying that. And he, kept, he said, you're no better than a cup of coffee at grandma's kitchen. And, and he was right. And not to say that the coffee was bad. The coffee was always good there. Mm. But it's the conversations and the relationships that you build in places like that. And to see those places shutting down, and I'm afraid we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg if we right. don't come up with uh, some reasonable responses that are not statewide. We, we cannot treat Tioga County the same as we treat Allegheny County or Potter County the same as Philadelphia County. We cannot. We ha the regional approach and county by county is the way it goes. It, it needs to go. And, and that's what we've been pushing for. And it, it makes sense. It's common sense. But but yeah, I think that as far as our other businesses, I mean, early on, it, made, it was frustrating. Our bike, you know, our bike shops, you know, you get Walmart open and, you know, selling bikes, but my bike shop, you know, that, mm -hmm. that sells bikes can't open. Now they can work on a bike because that's okay, but they can't sell a bike. And it's like all that stuff. I remember, oh, it was, I don't yeah, even want to reminisce about that. That was painful. Yeah, gardening yeah. centers, uh, but Lowe's and Home Depot. Yeah, we, yeah. we saw lots of that inconsistency that, of course, hurt most of our mom and pop uh, shops uh, locally owned, uh, but allowed these large national chains to, uh, uh, well, probably kill it in terms of their uh, profitable quarters. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, we uh, again, we, we understand the desire uh, and the motivation um, but in the application, I think we saw that this was uh, a flawed approach of taking that statewide. And it seemed that we were getting back to some uh, uh, more county level decision making, because I know that uh, our county commissioners uh, have a better finger on the pulse of your hospital capacity and the cases and how people can operate than does uh, Harrisburg. Um, so it's a, I know it's frustrating, particularly for uh, counties uh, like the ones you represent, uh, where you've got such a, a small caseload and uh, you can mitigate this uh, through through actions that uh, it may, may not work in Philadelphia, right? May not work in Pittsburgh, but they would work in Tioga and Bradford counties. Well, that's exactly right. And we, we had um, Tioga County's commissioners, they very early on, I mean, right away, they established their own task force and they pulled medical folks in you know, EMS folks, um, elected officials, they have um, business leaders, the chambers, the superintendents from the school. I mean, they had everybody on this task force and, and they, they, I mean, the jails were on there, the, the, uh, the nursing home facilities had, I mean, and we would have weekly phone calls and we would do updates and they shut down the, the commissioners and, and all the, we knew that our, our jails and we knew that our long-term care facilities were going to be you know, subject to, to being hit by this. And so it is like, you know, we, we that, I think that's a big part of what has been helpful in our district here is we, they, the commissioners stu stood up, they created this task force and we have been engaged in communication through Facebook and it's been, and, and other media outlets and it's been wonderful. So they, they know their district, they know their businesses well, um, and, and hopefully they can continue to engage in, in the reopening process because that's what we got to do. We have to get, you know, we have to get some income coming in because I'll tell you what, they're not getting it from unemployment. Holy cow. So, yep. And uh, as we're recording this, uh, we know the time, the clock is ticking as to what things look like from the federal government uh, and to see how that uh, plays out. 
Now, Clint, uh, you, we, we didn't mention this, uh, but you're married and you've got four kids. Um, and you mentioned this earlier with regard to the schools in your area. Um, I think that uh, probably some uncertainty in the outlet uh, home as well as throughout the community as what's going to happen uh, in the fall uh, with schools. Are kids going to come back? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be a hybrid of online and school? What all is that going to look like? And, uh, you know, we're only weeks away from uh, many schools supposed to be starting up. Uh, how is that playing out in your community? What are you hearing from folks and maybe even in your own family as you're thinking about uh, what does the fall look like for our kids going to school? Yeah, it, it's definitely a hot topic, that's for sure. Um, and, and it should be because if we're talking about the education of our kids. I mean, this is the future. If they want to be able to follow their, their dreams, you know, they, they, an education and a good education is, is what it's going to take. So um, yeah, parents are concerned. Parents um, want to know what's going on. Um, I will say that uh, the, our school districts have been very engaged in the whole process. We, um, they, from day one, they have been trying to do their, their absolute best in an uncertain world. Uh, I know a lot of them had drafted some, some safety plans that were reasonable. They put out surveys um, to the parents, a lot of parents gave a, you know just phenomenal feedback in what they were looking for, what they were, were hoping for. They're balancing it, you know, with the health concerns and, and what what reality with some of our smaller school buildings, what it, in classrooms, what it's going to take to be able to educate our kids. Um, and, and one thing that that was challenging for them was then, you know. They, they vote, they, they drafted their safety plans. They voted on them as a school board, which by the way, I thought was a really phenomenal idea. These are local elected officials that are actually drafting the safety plan for their community. I mean, that, you can't get much more local control mm -hmm. than that. And I, I thought that was wonderful. Um, and then, and then, and they, and they posted those for parents to, to read. And then the governor comes in and says, yeah, but here's, here's some other things that have to be in your safety plan. Well, wait a minute here. <laughs> like, you didn't say that the first time around, and then we did all this work, and now now we have to go back and change it and revote on it, and and that that was that was hard for parents because then you saw, you know, wait a minute, this is what school was going to look like. Now it's going to look like this. So, are, are, is it really local control or is it not? Um, is it do we just want to have the perception of that, or do we yeah. really want local control? And so I think that's one thing that, that parents have been, and I've been communicating to parents just yesterday on a, a video update that I did. I said, Hey, you know, our school districts, uh, they have their safety plans. They're, they're, they're working on them. Please reach out to them. That's the most efficient way to figure out what's going on at your school. Um, but re realize that, and don't get frustrated if things change and things you, 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 we know how it is. Things have been changing consistently, you know, all, mm -hmm. all along, but so it's the only consistent thing is that it will change, right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's the only sure thing right now. But but I think that parents want some sort of um, consistency for their kids. They want to know what to expect going into the fall. They can wrap their head around it. They have some time to think about it. Um, and teachers want the same thing. Teachers want to know, you know, am I going to be in the classroom? And am I not going to be in the classroom? Is it going to be a hybrid now? A couple of our schools are doing five days a week and, you know, we have some schools that are going to be doing kind of a hybrid in for two days, off for one, back in for two. Um, and they're, they're trying to come up with something that's reasonable and, and something that through the, through the, from the surveys, you know, they can really, you know, figure out 
you know, what's going to serve their community and what their, their parents want. But ultimately, we, we know that you, you can't shut down schools in the middle of March and then and and really have teachers scrambling for a couple of weeks, maybe a month to to figure out how to do online and, and or some sort of a remote learning. Well, guess what? Some of the challenges that we have, you and I were talking about it earlier before we started recording. I mean, Internet issues. I mean, it literally mm-hmm. would be faster for me if I if I was recording this podcast it would literally be faster for me to drive it to Harrisburg and come home, have dinner with my family and watch a movie before I could send it. So we have <laughs> broadband issues. We, we always have, we've been talking about it for, for decades probably, mm-hmm. but it's, and so now we, now we realize that, okay, if we do go online, you know, and mom and dad are working home at home, you know, this is, it's just not going to work. We, we just literally, you cannot, do it at the same time. Um, so it, it, we have some real challenges and the problem with it is, is kids, there are kids that are going to be, um, I'll say, I don't want to say left behind, but they, they, their need, there needs a way to a mechanism for them to get back on track. How was that for an intro or a segue? Yes. yes that's a great segue. <laughs> great. That's a great segue because, um, you know, and I know that um, uh, every community dealt with this differently. Uh, I know some of the kids uh, that uh, we serve through a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, uh, they're very low income, uh, usually a single parent or a grandparent are not, uh, they just don't have the home structure or life or even, you know, internet access, despite being in a uh, more populous area that this created real challenges for about, you know, a lot of the kids that, that we were serving in the inner city of, of Harrisburg, that they absolutely have gotten behind. Um, and it's going to be a, a tragedy if they can't get some semblance of uh, normalcy or get access to the education that they desperately uh, need and really, really want. These kids want to be uh, back learning. And so, uh, this is where you've introduced a bill that uh, would utilize some of the uh, uh, COVID uh, monies, the uh, the CARES Act money that I guess we're we still have about uh, 1.3 billion unspent uh, at the state level, and you want to get that money uh, to kids and their families to be able to uh, well overcome some of those challenges that they've seen, whether it's in purchasing tutoring or online classes or tuition or, or curriculum. Um, talk a bit about the bill that, that you've introduced. And I know that uh, Senator Judy Ward has introduced a, a similar bill in the Senate. And my understanding is that this is one of the first of its kind in the nation as well. Is that uh, your understanding too, Clint? Oh, it's definitely, yeah, new. It's a new idea. Um, not, not so much the ESA piece of it, but um looking at how, how to best utilize this CARES money uh, at the state levels, um, it's definitely a new idea. And it's, it's, it's something that, that we need to do. You know, shame on us if we don't take this seriously that, and, and have a serious conversation about where our kids are at. You can't shut down schools at, for, for three or four months and expect every student to be at the same point that they would have been. And they need to mm-hmm. be. And we're going to know where we're at come this fall when students start coming back to school, Lord willing, um, they'll be able to, to engage back with their teachers. Well, guess what? We're going to find out that there are some students 
that the, the home education piece and going online did not work and yeah. they will be behind. And that is, we, we have got to take that seriously. It is not right for those kids to suffer through this. And it's going to take some concerted effort on the parents and the teachers and the administrations all working together to make sure that we get those kids back on track. And it is so vitally important to that, that student's success, their education, um, and, and making sure that they're prepared for the future. And so that's what this Back on Tracks ESA bill is about. Um, it's it's hopefully going to give a tool in the toolbox for parents um, and teachers and administrators to work together to figure out where students are at. And maybe we need to invest over here. Maybe mom and dad want to invest and need to invest in Johnny's education. But Sally, Sally did awesome. You know, she it was perfect. She's right there. But Johnny might need a little help and might mm -hmm. need a little bit of extra tutoring or or attention to a couple of topics. You know, maybe maybe the math stuff was really great, but English was boy, we're we're behind here. We need to we need to get Johnny back up on English. So we're gonna we're gonna purchase some some material to help on this very laser pointed area of how we can get you know Johnny back on track. And 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 that's what this bill is all about. It's it's fully engaging the parents um, in the process. I think um, there are going to be some parents that may not want to uh, that 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 are that are find themselves busy or just not engaged in, in their students' education as much as they should. But hopefully um, this will give a tool that they can say, you know what, I, I, I need to do this. I need to do this for my, my son or my daughter's future. And, and hopefully we can um, utilize this to, to make that happen. Well, that's where, you know, of course, there's a lot of talk uh, from the, the public school uh, system itself. Um, certainly lots of teacher unions are weighing in on this saying, hey, we need to send more money directly to the public schools. Uh, and that, of course, is being done at the, the state and federal levels. But what makes your proposal unique is saying, hey, let's give a little bit of this to individual students. So like, as you said, Clint, it can be directed uh, um, strategically and targeted toward those areas of need. And um, if I understand correctly, the numbers that uh, are in your proposal is that uh, there would be a $500 million cap, which would basically allow for $1,000 restricted use accounts um, that for the purposes of education. So every kid in a, like a family of three earning $40,000 uh, would be able to get these education savings accounts to be able to deploy them as you've uh, um, um, laid out there. Is that, is that accurate still? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Um, and if it's kind of a first come first serve basis, but yeah, we, in the bill, we've said that We'd like to utilize 500 million of it, um, and you're right. We could we could send we could have chosen to send an extra 500 million to our school districts, um, and we did spend or send a ton of money from the CARES money to our school districts. We really did. I, I don't have the number right in mm -hmm. front of me, but it was a lot, um, and they needed it. Um, they needed to rethink learning, and it, it that costs money. But this is different. This is the whole idea here is to engage the parents. Um, in this process. Um, I think it could, instead of sending it to, I'll say, who, know, who knows how each school district would pay, would it actually get down to 
the child's level that needs to get the help that needs that, that fell behind is it does that money actually make it there does it make it to the student that's a question that i ask myself yeah. and if if it doesn't then then it's not a good use of the money at this point so how do we get it to the student what's the the easiest way to make sure like if we know that there's going to be an issue and there's no we know there's going to be challenges then we have to figure out the most efficient way and i think engaging the parents so one thing that they could that could be and, and teachers you know man this is a phenomenal idea for them too so here's here's a great example it could be entrepreneurial so, here right <laughs> yeah it is so so say um say i'm a teacher um and i i come back to school and i've got you know 20 kids in my class and i and identify you know as we get started you know in the first month or so i'm going to start to see where all of my kids are at, you know, and, and where they're, and, and I don't want to leave anybody behind. So what, what am I going to do? You know, I, I don't want to hold the, the students that, that were, that were, that thrived in the home education piece and cyber and whatever it was, but how do I help those five kids that might need a little bit of help? So what I can do is I can say, Hey, and say they're in the, the, the category that they would be qualified for one of these ESAs teacher guidance counselor could work with the parents and say, Hey, here is an ESA that you could apply for. And it's, and, and here's a program. Here's some, some, some stuff that I can do to help. And that teacher can actually work with the parents and, and actually the, the teacher can benefit from this financially too, that, that mm-hmm. and they can pour into those five kids uh, out of school or after school and they can help them get back on track. And that, for teachers, I mean that—that's a phenomenal resource for them. I mean, they—I think, a lot, especially here in our district, our teachers are going to want to do that. And here's an opportunity for them to work with the parents, work with the counselors, and be able to maybe even receive some compensation for this extra work that they're going to do, um, which is phenomenal. So it's—it's um, it's definitely you know got some some really great things working for it but it, it like i said it engages the parents in the process which is so so important well and gets that money to uh where you uh are intending it it's for the education of children uh and uh, uh how uh, better to uh empower them to make those decisions because as you noted uh, and having four kids uh uh, and I also have four kids who've all learned in different ways. We know that uh, you can't do a one size fits all and expect the same outcomes. So, so Clint, what's um, what's been the response that you've gotten uh, since you've introduced this? Uh, is this an idea that uh, is is just so novel that it's uh, people are like I don't know, or are people saying, yeah, we absolutely should be uh, uh, pushing this policy issue? It's been a good response so far. I think parents realize that um, that there are going to be some issues, but we won't know what they are completely till September here. But the parents, I mean, parents are loving this. We, we've had a few negative, or not say negative, probably just folks from the from the, the teachers unions and things like that that are that are struggling to understand what it is, what it's not. I think once they realize that um, this really could be a great tool for them. Um, as well, it, it, I think they're, they'll come around. Um, but the reality is this: I, I, I think that so as a parent, um, I know, and, and I know, I, I know a lot of teachers. My brother and my sister-in-law are teachers, and 
when when everything shut down in March, it was it was hard for them. And they they love their kids. They want to be with their kids more than more than anything. And they they're they're absolutely phenomenal teachers. And they did everything they possibly could to create an awesome educational opportunity for their for those students, you know, this spring. And so did my kids' teachers. I mean, they I mean all the stuff that they did was was just great. However, the, the reality, I was able to, to live and breathe it here in my house when we were all locked down. And mm-hmm. I, and I noticed that, you know, I have, I have three that are in school right now. And my oldest, you know, he, he did not have a problem with it whatsoever. And my daughter, she, she did fairly well with it, but my, my middle son, he, he struggled with it and it was hard home education without the interaction with his classmates and his teacher and and my wife god bless her (laughs) lauren was had to i mean she had to engage for hours and hours every day with him just to get him through the lessons that he needed to do because it was it was so hard for him to do at home now i hope we did the best we we did the best we could but come september are we going to find out that that he is he's off track a little bit with his students well, it's very, very possible given given the circumstances that we were dealing with here. It's very possible. So this would be a tool that that you know a family like us would be able to utilize, and I think that's that's important. Um, and my my probably my older two are going to be just fine. And I will say I want to give a shout out to our teachers. They they didn't see this coming, you know, to rethink right. everything, how you're going to educate, and and how you're going to do it all of a sudden on March 13th, I think it was like that was hard for them and they did a phenomenal job. I mean, I will say there's probably some that didn't take it as seriously across the Commonwealth, but I can only speak for my district. Um, my district engaged in it. They, they did the best they could. Um, and that's wonderful. And so it's not in introducing a bill like this, it's not saying that our schools did a bad job. It's just stating reality. It's stating that there is a very good chance that there are going to be some students that are going to need some extra help this fall. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. Um, and it's it's just trying, trying to come up with a way to, to make sure that that we can do it in an effective, efficient way. Uh, and that's that's the whole, the whole goal of the ESA uh, back on track bill here. So um, this is obviously something that uh, kids and families are going to need sooner than later. Uh, And there aren't a whole lot of days uh, that the legislature is in session uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, What are are the prospects that you see? Is there going to be some urgency to this to get it done Um, so that the the fall uh, you could see kids using these savings accounts to get the uh, you know, uh, tutoring or whatever it is that they're trying to access. Uh, do you see this as happening uh, uh, potentially this fall? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I think it, it needs yeah. to happen sooner than later. Um, um, hopefully it's not just a bunch of talking points and, you know, you know, podcasts and interviews that we do. Hopefully it actually, we can get this done and have a meaningful conversation um, about where, where our kids are going to be at. Um, and, and I hope the reality is the money has to be spent soon, sooner than later. Uh, this cares. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not like it, it can roll on forever. And we actually, so this, 
this is there's you know this would spend you know 500 million of it um and we'd be investing it directly into our kids um i think that that's that's a good thing i think that we we need to take that seriously um and at the end of the day if if parents don't apply for it then we don't spend the money i mean it's but it's an application piece and and um and if if they don't then then we won't spend it but if it's if it's a need and we and we get this out there then, then I think it's important to, to make sure that we're investing in our kids. Yeah, and I think that it's also important for folks to know that these are monies that are, are sitting there uh, from the CARES Act. Uh, these aren't resources coming from your local school district or, or anything like that. It's not an ongoing fund, but it would create these uh, funds for uh, possible use in the future as well. And so uh, any of our listeners uh, contact your uh, House and, and Senate representatives to, to encourage them to support the back on track education savings accounts. Again, uh, Senator Judy Ward has introduced companion legislation in the Senate uh, to go alongside Representative Clint Owlett's uh, legislation. Clint, uh, I, I really appreciate your coming on and, and talking about the challenges uh, uh, and the opportunities uh, that exist here. And, and, um, I, I really hope that uh, we can see this for the kids across our Commonwealth, that, uh, you're back on track ESAs, uh, get moved quickly and signed into law. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, to come talk about it. I think, um, hopefully it was evident to the listeners that I'm passionate about this. <laughs> I think it's, our kids are so important. They are the future of our Commonwealth. And, Anything we can do to support them and make sure that they're ready for the jobs um, of today and tomorrow um, is going to be so important. And um, yeah, so this hopefully we can we can work together. But thank you so much for um, for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. And thanks, listeners, for taking a few minutes to to, to hear about this idea. And again, if if you can reach out to your local state rep and um, and senators, uh, please, like you said, Matt, that that is a that helps. As a state rep, I know when my phone starts ringing uh, and I start getting uh, consistent emails on a topic, I know that it is important and I need to um, start looking at it a little more intently. So folks, if you can do that, that would be very, very helpful. And Clint, if folks want to uh, get in touch with you or learn more about you, what's, what's your website and that would, they could have some information on this? Yeah, our website is Rep Outlet, and you can um, check that out. Um, just Google search that. I think it's repoutlet.com, I think. Um, and on, we're on Facebook. <laughs> like knowing as your well. own phone number, right? It's always hard to remember those things. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook as well. If you want to like and follow us on there, we, we, we post a lot of stuff. We do a lot of update videos. We talk about specific legislation. We do, we do our own podcasts and vlogs as well, just to, you know, talk about a specific piece of legislation or an idea. Um, so you can reach out there or my email address is cowlet at pahousegop.com. Um, feel free to reach out uh, through that. Great. Well, Representative Clint Allett, thanks so much for joining me here on Brews and Views. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners 
And follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.